Well, welcome to Front Range. My name is Ernest Smith. I'm the lead pastor, and we're so grateful that you guys are here. If you joined us in person, you've braved the cold, or maybe you're watching at home. Uh, I've gotten texts from some of you saying, I'm going to be watching my PJs. I don't need to know, uh, but we're grateful that you're watching. Uh, and our hope and prayer is that this will become a home for you, a place where you can build community, discover your purpose, and grow in your faith in Jesus. And I do want to publicly acknowledge our, our staff and our dream team uh, that uh, got here super early. It was, ne- it was uh, negative eight degrees. They've been standing outside. Most of our equipment is outside, so we've had to bring it in and all of that. So for all of you Dream Team members, our staff, thank you guys so much. Uh, days like today are not easy. Uh, not easy on our equipment or on our people. So uh, just super grateful. I want to let you know about a couple things that are happening. First, right now we're in the middle of a fast, a 21 days of fasting and prayer. Uh, we're a week in. So if you're like, man, I haven't joined you. Now, you only got 14 days left. Uh, so you, you've kind of skipped one week, which is great. You can join us starting now. Uh, and what we're doing during the fast is we're providing opportunities for you to pray and to grow in your faith and all of that. So every weekday at noon, we're, we have a, a little devotional and worship time and some time of prayer. Uh, so if you want to join us at our ministry center, you can be a part of that. Um, uh, we also have some prayer prompts for uh, our family. So if you've got kids and you want to kind of walk them through that, we've got some prayer prompts for you. You can get that at the Parent Connect tent as you're walking out. Um, and, then, uh, and then we've also, we're starting this week, a prayer prompt for everybody, meaning that if you just text the number up on the screen, uh, then you'll get, uh, every day you'll get a text message saying, hey, this is, as a church, this is what we're asking you to pray for. Uh, so if you want to uh, join us in this, I would encourage you, please text that number. If you're like, man, I, I don't even know how to pray or what to pray for, we're going to help you with all of that, okay? Uh, so text that number uh, that, uh, to the, uh, that's on the screen, and we'll provide you with everything that you need. Um, and just uh, we'll say thank you for joining us. Um, fasting is simply removing something in the natural to focus on the supernatural, to focus on God. So it's removing something in your daily life, food, TV, social media, something, and then you're using that time to really pursue God. What a better way, what better way than to spend the beginning of this year pursuing after God and what he has, uh, has for us. Second thing I want to let you know about is on January 22nd, uh, which is not tomorrow, but it's the next Monday. Uh, we're going to be starting something called Celebrate Recovery. Uh, Celebrate Recovery is a, a ministry that's been in existence for quite a while. I've been a part of it. I've watched uh, so many friends go through it and find healing and freedom. Basically, uh, the, kind of the, the gist is this. In life, man, we all go through stuff. And there's habits, there's hangups, there's issues that we all deal with. And those issues cause pain in our lives and many times cause us to do things that, um, or, or to believe certain things that maybe aren't healthy for us. Uh, so like if you've ever dealt with um, anxiety or mental health concerns or alcoholism or drug addiction or body image issues or anything, I mean, it's really like anything that you're like, man, something in my life has caused this and you want to be set free and healed from it then please join us for Celebrate Recovery. You can find out more information online at our website, or you can scan the QR code that is in your worship guide, and you can get information there. Um, but man, if you'd say, hey, yeah, I could use some help. I could use some, some people in my life that could help me set, set, help set me free from what I'm dealing with or some of the thoughts that I have or whatever, join us for Celebrate Recovery. It's gonna be really, really powerful. All right, by show of hands, how many of you like to travel or one day you would like to travel? Anybody? Okay, yeah, most of us. Uh, now, now, when we think about traveling, we usually think about like, man, where's a place I want to go? 
Like, have you ever thought, have you ever asked yourself that question? Like, if I could go anywhere, where would I go? And usually if you were to, you were to ask that question, like if I'm asking you right now, like think of a place you want to go. It's probably not Death Valley or Western Kansas. You know, like uh, no offense for those of you who are from Kansas, but uh, that's probably not where like a dream vacation would be. We want to go somewhere beautiful. Where's a place that you've been that's beautiful? Give me some, give me some places you've been. Any places? Where? Aruba. Aruba is awesome. Yeah. Costa Rica, St. John, all great places. Yeah, last, last service, they were like, Tahiti, New Zealand. I'm like, where do you live? You know, like, we're in Colorado. That's hard, you know. But yeah, all beautiful places. When people ask me, like, where's one of the most beautiful places you've ever been? Uh, it's an easy answer for me. Uh, 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 it, it, one, of the, one of the top places on the list is Glacier National Park. Uh, if you've never been to Glacier, you need to go. Uh, here, we went this past summer, and uh, one of my favorite places is a place called Mini Glacier. And if you're like, where's the glaciers? I don't see them. It's the white stuff on the mountains. That's what glacier experts tell me is a glacier. So um, it, it's about a 12-hour drive through some of the most beautiful scenery in our country. Uh, and we, we loved it. We absolutely loved it. But whether it's Glacier or whether it's, you know, uh, uh, Costa Rica or Aruba or wherever we said, it would pale in comparison to the greatest paradise, which was called Eden. Now, if you have, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Genesis chapter 2. Uh, we're in a series right now studying the book of Genesis uh, where we're looking at, okay, the creation story and, and uh, you and I and, and kind of the foundation of not just us as humans, but like what God has called us to as human beings. Now, we have a, a message series hub. We do this for every series. Uh, and I would encourage you, Genesis is really challenging to understand in so many ways. So we've created a lot of resources. We've gathered resources from other places and we put them in the series hub. You can get there through our website or by scanning the QR code. If you wanna go deeper in your faith, if you wanna grow, then I would encourage you to go to our series hub. Now I'll let you know this. Today's message is uh, a little bit different. It's kind of part one of a, of a two-part message. The, the second week uh, or next week will be the second part. Um, and it's gonna be a little bit more cerebral today. Uh, usually we try to give you like very practical next steps and all of that, but today it's more about challenging the way that we think uh, and understanding God's word um, a, a little bit more clearly, especially when it involves uh, Genesis chapter 2. Now, what I love about Genesis is how it was beautifully created. Uh, there's so many times throughout the book where we get this big picture view of something, and then a chapter later or a few chapters later, uh, the, uh, God kind of zooms into whatever he's already told us he's done. So chapter 1, we see the creation story and how God created everything, and on day 6, God created humanity. Well, chapter 2 is really God zooming in on that creation of humanity. In the beginning of chapter 2, we're told that, that God creates this incredible place called Eden, or the Garden of Eden, as many of us know it. Now, the name Eden, uh, it, it symbolized luxury, luxury and pleasure. Uh, in fact, the first time that, that the word Eden was translated into the Greek, it was uh, the Greek word there is uh, paradisio, which is where we get our word paradise. So the, the image here was this lush, beautiful park. I mean, way greater than Tahiti or Costa Rica or Aruba or Glacier National, like way better. It was paradise. And this is where God places mankind. Let's take a look. Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 15, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So he's got two purposes there, to work it 
and to take care of it. Now, the idea here is that he would be preparing and tending to. The same two words that are used here are used um, to describe what the priest's role was in the tabernacle. The priest's role was to care for and to protect. The idea is this, is that God created mankind to work. Like part of our creation story and purpose is to work. There's some people that they believe, okay, when you get to chapter three and you see the fall of humanity, then God says it's a part of your punishment. You're going to work the ground. So work must be punishment. And sometimes it feels that way, right? But that's not the case. God actually created you and I to tend to, to care for, and to protect before the fall. Verse 16, take a look. It says, and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. You can eat from any tree. I mean, think about it. Put yourself there. Mangoes and apples and oranges and bananas. And we're not just talking about like any apple tree or any banana tree or any mango. Like the greatest. The greatest that you've ever tasted far beyond that. And, and this is just me. This is how my mind works, so you may disagree with me, but I'm pretty sure there was a tree that made steaks, you know? So, like, you've got all the fruit and you've got steak as well, you know, hanging there. You're like, yeah, I'll take some of that, you know? Uh, and it was just, it's amazing. It's unbelievable. Let's continue, verse 17. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. So here there are, they're in the garden, and there's this plan. The plan that God has told him is, I want you to be fruitful and multiply, and I want you to go out through all the earth, and I want you to subdue it. But it's the garden from where this plan comes from. So their, their, their first purpose is to you know, be fruitful and multiply in the garden and then go from there. It's from here that Adam and Eve will have a choice as to how they will accomplish God's purpose as to how they will subdue the land and to be fruitful and multiply and all of that. Up until this point, God is the one who has provided and defined what is good and what is evil. Up until this point, God's the one that's like, hey, I've provided this and I'm defining this, what is good and what is evil. But now he's saying, I'm giving you a choice. And the choice is this, you can either Believe what God says, and you can believe how he's defined good and evil, or you can seize that control for yourself, and you can choose to define good and evil. But the stakes are very high, like really high, because the stakes result in death. If you don't choose God's way and listen to what he says is good and evil, and you choose to seize power for yourself, then the result ultimately is going to be Death. Now, chapter two, a lot of people will read this and they'll just kind of push past it. It's like, okay, cool, God created, you know, mankind and you know, and, and, and they created the Garden of Eden and all of that, and you just kind of move on. But there's there's so much to this chapter. There's so much. And there's two things that really stand out to me. Number one is that when God created uh, Adam, it says that he brought all of the animals before Adam, and Adam names them. So he's like, okay, that's a dog, and I'm gonna call that a cat, and all of that. And this is how my mind works. Like if Adam is standing there and he's naming every animal that comes across, then why in the world did he not use that opportunity right there to just go ahead and kill the mosquito? You know, like just get rid of it, take it. Like what a world we would have if we had no mosquitoes, right? And so that, that's kind of how my, my weird mind thinks. And then the second big thing that, that I noticed is that God in this moment gives man choice. He gives humanity choice. He says, I'm giving you the ability 
to choose. You have all of these trees. I'm telling you, eat from all of them but this one. But the choice is yours. To say it another way, you and I, we were created with choice. We were created with choice. Now, this is huge. This is not elementary stuff. This is really, this really, really does change everything. And this ability to choose changes everything. I love when, when I talk to people and uh, I get to talk to people of all kind of walks of life and, and faith backgrounds. And so whether I'm talking to Christians or atheists or, you know, skeptics or people of faith, whatever it may be, uh, one of the questions that comes up all the time is, Ernest, if God is so good, then why does evil exist? Like, if God is so good, then why do bad things happen? Have you ever thought that? Or maybe has somebody ever asked you that question before? I mean, it's probably the, the number one question that I get, especially from people that are just trying to wrestle with things and, and try to deal with things. And I would say the answer to that question is right here. Why does the evil exist in our world? Because God gave you and I choice. Now, before you blow me off, before you're like, well, that's way too simplistic, let me, let me help you understand it based on science. So most of us, we, we, we understand or we've heard about this guy named Pavlov, right? Ivan Pavlov, he, he showed us that you can actually control animals based on, you know, the, the punishments uh, or, or the rewards that you give them. Remember, he, he's the guy that had the dog experiment and he would ring the bell and the dog would like saliva because he thought he was getting food and all of that. So he showed us that you can control animals. Well, there was another guy named B.F. Skinner and he did the same thing. B.F. Skinner was a, a leading 20th century uh, psychologist and behaviorist. Uh, and so he was trying to understand control as well and people's behaviors and animals' behaviors and all of that. And so actually what he did, he, he did this fascinating um, uh, experiment. It wasn't just an experiment. He was trying to create something. He was trying to use pigeons to create a pigeon-guided missile during the Second War. Now, okay, you got to understand, like, during the war, they, they would just drop bombs and they would hope that like, it would land in the, 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 on the target that they were hoping for. But he was like, no, there's got to be a better way. Let's use pigeons. And so he created this little capsule. We got a picture of it. This capsule would go in front of the missile and he would take three pigeons and he would put them in three different compartments and each pigeon would have a window. Now the window was for them to be able to see. Okay, so what he would do is he would put them in the, this capsule and then he would show them different pictures. So one picture would just be of like a landscape and the next picture would be of a target. And if they started pecking on the window when they identified the right target, then they would get treats. And so he taught them how to identify targets and start pecking on the window. The idea was if they, when they pecked on the window, it would control the system inside of the missile and the missile would actually be guided by the pigeons to its target. Now, this was created, and it had almost 100% accuracy. It was crazy. Now, there were a lot of pigeons that were killed in the making of these missiles. <laughs> but what B.F. Skinner and, and what Pavlov were trying to show is that with the right rewards or the right punishments, you could control animals and you could control humans. That if you gave them the right rewards or the right punishments, you can actually control Animals are humans. Now, when you bring up the topic of controlling somebody or controlling something, there's a lot of questions. Like, who has the right to control somebody else? And the one who's doing the controlling, are they doing it for their own good? Or are they doing it for the greater good or the good of somebody else? I mean, I'm pretty sure these pigeons weren't sitting in those capsules going, this is great. We're going to save all these humans. 
You know, this is, we're going to help America win this war, you know? They weren't thinking that. They weren't thinking this was good for them. So when you think of control, here, here's where I would say most of us land with this topic. Most of us would say, it doesn't matter. Even if it's for a greater good, we shouldn't control other people. Like most of us would land there. But then we get to the topic of God and we ask, well, why do bad things happen? And I say it's because God gave us choice. And we're like, well, that's not good enough. You got to give me more than that. You can't just say it. But here's the reality. God had two choices at the very beginning of it all. He could make us robots, and if he makes us robots, then everything stays perfect, and the world stays in harmony. Or he gives us choice, and he gives us choice, we have the opportunity to go off the rails. And if we have choice and we go off the rails, that creates pain in our lives, and it creates pain in other people's lives. If the goal is perfection and harmony, then we're robots. But if the goal is relationship, then relationship requires choice. Love requires choice. You can't love somebody else. You can't be in a relationship with somebody else through control. You have to choose, and they have to choose. It's kind of like a pet. How many of you have a pet at home? Anybody? Have, okay. okay, a lot of us. Now, if I say if you have a pet, then you're probably thinking you've got like a dog or maybe a cat or maybe a fish, or if you're weird, a snake, you know, something like that. Um, but my daughter, she bought my son for Christmas, she bought him a, a pet rock. Uh, now, uh, his name is, my, my son just informed me, is Shrunken Face, uh, which I kind of like, so uh, shows the weird humor we have. Uh, now, this pet rock, he doesn't do a whole lot, okay? Uh, or she, I'm not sure what it is, but it doesn't do a whole lot. It just kind of sits there, right? Like, and if my son had a choice, to choose between playing with the rock or playing with one of his dogs, he's going to choose the dog every day, all the time. Why? Because a dog can play back. A dog can respond to you. A dog can love you. We understand this. And this is why God gave us choice. With God, we have the opportunity. We can be in a relationship with him or we have the opportunity to not be in a relationship with him. God's given us that choice. We have the choice to follow him or to not follow him. We have the choice to, to obey him or to not obey him. And that choice impacts everything we do. So we were created with choice. Now, God knew that if we were given choice, that we would at times choose not to follow him. So God instilled in every person this deep sense of morality. Like every human on the planet has some sense of morality. We may differ in what we believe is moral or not moral, but even if you found, and, and I've, I've talked to a few of these individuals, somebody who is amoral, who says, well, I, I have no morals. Well, you'll find out real quick what morals they have when you start doing something they don't like. Because every person has a sense of morality. Every one of us, God gave that to us. Romans chapter one talks about how God instilled inside of us something that makes us go, there's gotta be something more. Like there's got to be something more to life, and, and I, I don't know, I may not know where it is or whatever, but like it's this, it's something else. Like who gave me this? God's saying, I, I gave you that. One theologian, he said it this way, our moral sensibilities are God-given, and our moral standards are God-ordained. This much is clear from the creation account. So the very beginning when God created you and I, he, he gave us choice, but he instilled morals inside of us. Now, because he gave us choice, we're going to choose to do good and we're going to choose to do wrong. 
I mean, you look at every person in Scripture except for Jesus, and every one of them chose to do good and at times chose to do wrong. You look at Abraham, Abraham did great things, and he did some bad things. You look at David, the, the second king of Israel, they would say their greatest king that they've ever had. David did good things, and he did some really bad things. You look at Peter in the New Testament, he did some good things, and he did some bad things. You look at Paul, he did some good things, and he did some bad things. All of us, because we are created with choice, have done good and we've done wrong. And the second truth is that our choices have consequences. Our choices have consequences. We know, we, we know this. We get this. We've seen this, right? We've seen where somebody chose something and something bad happened to them. And here's what I would say. I, I would say, I'd rather see you have something bad happen to you than me do the same thing and have something bad happen to me. Like, it's much easier for me to be like, yeah, yeah, they deserve that. Like, that's what they, they chose to do that. And then when it happens to me, I'm like, come on, God. Like, give me grace here, you know? Like, you didn't have to give me that consequence there. Like, it's way easier for me to look at what somebody's done and be like, well, that was the result, the negative result of their, their, of, of their choices. But consequences aren't always bad. Sometimes they're good. And I think where we mess up sometimes as humans is, is I, I think we see the negative choices we make and how it results in negative things, but do we always see the positive choices that we can make and the positive outcome that will result in that? Meaning this, if I would say most of the things that we go through that cause pain in our lives or cause issues in our lives, most of them, not all of them, but most of them were created because of choices we made. And if you don't want that to happen, you just choose something else. You just choose something different. Now, again, I know there's complexity here, right? Like sometimes our pain is caused by other people. Sometimes we're not in control of our circumstances. But I would say a large portion of the things that we go through, they're controllable by our choices. In fact, if I were to tell you like, hey, if you're, if you're dealing with alcoholism or if you're dealing with uh, drug addiction or any type of habit. I was with some family this past week and there was a family member of ours that, man, they are addicted to technology, like crazy addicted to technology. And I think that most of us would probably say, well, that's probably inside of most of us. Like you've ever looked at like how many times you, you tap your screen, you know, or how many times you open it up or how many, how many hours or minutes or whatever you're spending on certain apps and all of that. You can be like, ah, maybe I could spend less. It's like, well, if you want to change that, you have to choose to change that. Like, like for me, when, I, when, I, when I'm able to sit down and talk with somebody a little bit about my story and talk about, you know, some of the alcohol stuff and the drugs and all of that, and they're like, man, well, how, what, what, what changed? Like, what did you do to, like, not do those things anymore? I'm like, it's simple. The answer is simple, and it's really complex, too. I, I chose. I chose first to submit to the will of God. I said, okay, God, your will is greater than mine. I will submit to you. And then if you choose to submit to his will, he'll show you a different way. And then you have to choose to follow that. It's really that simple and it's really complex. 
right? Because I'm sitting here and I'm like, well, that's all you have to do. Submit to the will of God and then just choose something different. Some of you are thinking, but Ernest, it doesn't work that way with my addiction. It doesn't work that way with my habit. It doesn't seem, but here's what I would say. Anytime I talk to somebody and they would say, man, I'm dealing with an addiction to porn. I'm dealing with an addiction to my phone or I'm dealing with, you know, mental health issues or whatever it may be. I'll ask them, well, what are you doing to get help? And of course, there's always people that are like, well, here's all the things I'm doing. I'm like, well, that's great. Keep going doing that. But inevitably, there are people who are like, well, I know I need to. I know I need to go see a counselor. I know I need to maybe take my medicine. I know I need to. Have you ever said that before? Probably all of us have. Like, I know I need to eat healthier. I know I need to go to the gym. I I know the things that I need to do that will get me where I want to be. But do I do it? That's where the choice comes in. Will you choose today to make a different decision? It's one of the reasons why we're starting Celebrate Recovery. It's like, and if you're dealing with anything, if you're dealing with anything where you feel like you need healing or freedom from something, like if you're like, man, I do have a, 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 a technology addiction, or maybe mine is to something else, or I've got, a, I've got a hang up, I've been hurt, and I just can't forgive, I can't get past that that I'm not saying it's simple as just today going, well, just choose differently and then all will be well. What I am saying is choose today to do something different. Like sign up for Celebrate Recovery. And then when it happens, like I'm not saying that day, it's easy to be like, okay, great, I'm going to Celebrate Recovery. I'm going to be healed tonight. No, it's like just choose that day to show up. And then the next day show up and let God do whatever. And the next day make a different decision. And the next day and all of that. And then if you're somebody who's like, man, Ernest, I've been dealing with alcoholism. Let's just take that, for example. I've been dealing with that for years and years. It's not as simple as just making a choice. Well, today make a choice. And then tomorrow, and then the next day, and then guess what? You'll wake up in 15 years sober, and you'll be an advocate for others, helping them know how to make the same decision and submitting themselves to God's will and then doing what he calls you to do. It's a choice. Now, Genesis chapter 2 is so much deeper than that. There's, there's so much there. But this conversation of choices and our choices have consequences is where it all begins. Uh, we, I wrote this message, and then I, I always deliver it before my, for some of my team members and get their feedback and stuff. And I got to the end, and I was like, that's all I got. They're like, that's perfect. Tell them to come back next week. So come back next week. Because here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about how our choices impact us. What are the results of our choices? We're going to look at that from Genesis chapter 3. And then we're going to see how Jesus steps in, if we allow him, to bring healing, forgiveness, help us to overcome some of the stuff that we have going on. But it all begins with this conversation of you have choice. And you can use it for good, and you can use it for bad. And if you don't like the results you're getting right now, choose differently. Choose to submit to him and then do whatever he calls you to do. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and God, I thank you so much for your word. And I thank you that Genesis chapter two is a chapter that impacts everything. It sets us up for this climax that humanity is about to experience in the garden. 
It sets us up for why we choose good and why we choose bad. And God, I thank you. I thank you that you gave us choice, that we're not robots. That God, you loved us enough to give us a choice to either choose you or not. So that if we did choose you, we can be in a relationship with you, that we can love you, that we can experience your love. But God, we also understand that our choices have negative consequences. And so I pray for any of us right now, Father, that some of the results of what we're dealing with are because maybe we have chosen not to stay away from somebody in our life or because we've chosen not to make a change in an area. And so maybe it's impacting our health or it's impacting our mental health or it's impacting our relational health or it's impacting our spiritual health. And I pray, Father, that you would show us and you would give us the power, God, to first submit to you, to give ourselves over to you. And then, God, may we every day just make the choice that you're calling us to make. As hard as it may be that day, as difficult as it may sound, even in this moment, God, give us the power, your strength, God. Not on our own, because I know on my own strength, God, I can't do anything. But on your strength and your power, God, may we be able to make decisions that will bring you honor and glory and bring healing and freedom into our lives. Father, tell us what to do. And if there's a different decision we need to make, May we make that in Jesus' name. Amen.